there, Internet. I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Mac. And this is I Will Fight You, a podcast where we've been turning opinion into stone-cold facts since 1986. Today's fact, in order to parody something, you have to love it. Which, you know, it's good advice in general, and I think about it a lot in conjunction with Spaceballs, but today we're going to be talking about something different. We'll be talking about The Tenth Kingdom, ABC's miniseries. There's nothing miniature about this series, I gotta tell you, Mac. <laughs> not in the episode length, not in the pacing, not in the amount of script. <laughs> Look, there's only five episodes, that makes it a mini, a, a mini, a mini so Yeah, this was like prestige miniseries before prestige miniseries, because this thing came out in the year 2000, and oh boy, y'all. It takes place in New York City, and they need you to know it's New York City. You can see the Twin Towers. Like, remember when the Twin Towers were, like, the way to identify New York City, and it's really, really awkward? <laughs> I gotta be honest, during the, the opening sequence, I was like, okay, where are they? <laughs> and then they collapse down into fairy tale stuff. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's on, like, all the marketing. It's on all of the boxes. Uh, like, every establishing shot, when they want you to know it's New York City, you use the Twin Towers, because obviously that's what you did before 2001. And this is the year 2000, so it's like, clock's ticking, boys. Oh, it's so <laughs> awkward. Oh, you're just sitting there tugging your collar, like, no, no, no. And it's great, because when it came out, you don't fucking know what's coming, baby. It's the most year 2000s television program I can think of. It really is. The vibe is very much it's 1979 and disco's never gonna die. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember when characters in media would complain that nothing exciting ever happened in their lives? When can we have that back? God, the <laughs> 90s were a hell of a vibe. <laughs> It's like, oh, you know, you know, George W. Bush just got elected. He's probably going to be fine. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> hi. <laughs> so here's my personal history with this one. I've never seen Tenth Kingdom all the way through. I watched the first episode for this, which is an hour and a half. So that's one of five. I've seen little bits and pieces here and there, though, because I had a friend who she adored Tenth Kingdom. Everyone in her family did. They had it all on VHS, which, as you can imagine, five 90 minute episodes broken up into tapes is a lot. <laughs> Considering that Titanic had to be released on two VHSs, like it was f***ing Final Fantasy or something. I understood what the gist was, but I was not totally prepared for this first episode. But I understand that there is just like the people who love Tenth Kingdom love Tenth Kingdom. I faintly remember having watched this when I was a very young child and it had completely fallen out of my head until Mackenzie mentioned it again. I was able to locate the first episode and only the first episode online because it's not available for streaming here in the UK. And I got half an hour in before the secondhand embarrassment got too much for me. And I was like, nope, I can't do it. it it's, it's, I'm usually good with cringe. I watch jackass movies all the time. But for some reason, this particular TV show was like, oh, nope, can't. I got through Immortally Yours easier than I got through this. <laughs> I, meanwhile, am one of those people obsessed with Tenth Kingdom, baby. Hell yeah. <laughs> when it came out, I watched it. And because I was like that perfect age of 12, 13 preteen girl, it like imprinted on me. 
I loved it so much. My dad bought me like a poster and then he bought me the novelization of the show. Novelization. Oh my God. I reread it and read it and read it. And then I actually lost that novelization, but rebought it a couple years back. And then we had the VHS set, as Annie noted, and I now own the DVD set happily settled on my bookshelf. God, like... Wow, no, 12 or 13 year old girl, that would have just been like, you're old enough to get all of the extremely horny vibes that you're not sure <laughs> on purpose or not. Yeah. But you're young enough to not find any of it problematic. Exactly. You're sitting there at 12 years old being like, I'm sure this will give me no disorders. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. This better not awaken anything in me. I'm going to have a normal amount of interest in this television program and also that one. And I don't know who that one. Okay, I know for Mackenzie who that one would definitely be. But anybody who watches this, I'm sure, has a that one. Who's that one for me? Oh, it's probably the wolf. Oh, yeah, it's fucking the wolf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that I remember about this show from before I'd watched the first half hour of the first episode is a scene where, like, the main character and the wolf have clearly just had sex, and then he walks off and, like, his tail is sticking out of his pants. That's the only thing I remember. <laughs> That's the only lasting image from this that I recall. Don't worry, we'll get to the tail masturbation scene. Oh, good. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> My main image of this was, like, someone fondling an apple while Snow White's ghost or something is like, no, stop that. <laughs> Cut it out. <laughs> That's it. Again, I, folks, I cannot stress enough how weirdly horny the vibes are here. And again, it's really hard to tell how much of this is on purpose. Okay, so again, this was written in 2000. I didn't do a whole lot of research on this because I know Mackenzie is going to want to like just give us everything and i'm excited about that but i did notice that this was written by the same guy who wrote the dinotopia miniseries of the same time oh god oh my god i didn't realize that <laughs> yeah that seems right it stars kimberly williams who you might know from every hallmark movie right right because i was looking like <laughs> she's one of the twins in the movie in the three movies where twins switch places and fall in love in their respective locations yeah she's in a ton of hallmark movies i remember the first time i was watching a hallmark movie and she showed up i started screaming and was like it's virginia <laughs> oh that's me every time the girl that played gretchen wieners and mean girl shows up <laughs> in one of those Lacey chambert it's like ah gretchen wieners her terrible dad is John Larroquette. Who, if you watch The Librarians, you will recognize. You will also recognize him from Night Court. And a lot of other television, honestly. This so is one of those guys who's is, just been working forever. This is just such a television guy. <laughs> Scott Cohen is Wolf. You probably know him from Gilmore Girls, if you know him from anything. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of other principals. Not really, though. Everybody knows Warwick Davis. He shows up as Acorn the Dwarf. Okay, good. So that was Warwick Davis. I was pretty yeah. sure that was Warwick Davis. Lucy Punch is in episode three. Oh, thank God. Thank <laughs> God. It's a fairy tale thing. And Lucy Punch, is she a stepsister? No, she's a sexy shepherdess. She's Sally Peep, a descendant of little Bo Peep. She's not one of Cinderella's evil stepsisters or descendants? No, she's just a descendant of Little Bo Peep. Wow. I feel like it's a massive oversight not to mention that Diane Weist is the evil stepmother. Like... <laughs> Yeah, Diane Weist is the evil queen. You may recognize her from The Birdcage, where she played the conservative mom. You may also ah. recognize her as one of the aunts from Practical Magic, if you're gay. Oh. 
she's in a lot of movies that the gays like. It's <laughs> basically what you need to know. Wait, have we never done a Practical Magic episode? We haven't yet. We have not done a Practical Magic episode. We should, though. We should at some point, though. How the hell have we not done a Practical Magic episode? Uh, yeah, how has that happened? Huh. Well, that's something to look forward to. <laughs> There's lots of people you will recognize, is what's important here. There's also a really, really good dog, like a very well-trained dog. Yeah, very well-trained dog. He's there most of the time until like the very last episode. He's voiced by, voice and, and also played by, because we'll get to it, by a guy that does just, as far as I could tell, just from a quick scroll down his IMDb list, he mostly spends his time just being stuffy British man number seven <laughs> in a lot of things. Relish the Troll King is played by Ed O'Neill, who is Al Bundy from Married with Children. And then later on Modern Family, he plays Jay Pritchett. Excellent. They just basically, you know how Law and Order has had every actor in New York cycle through at least once? It's That's this. <laughs> every actor in New York's on this, yeah. Every New York actor has cycled through this show at least once. Which is impressive considering this was like a co-production with like BBC or something, wasn't it? Or one of the British production teams? It is produced by Britain's Carnival Films, Germany's Balesburg Film und Fernsehen, and the U.S.'s Hallmark <laughs> Entertainment. Of course. <laughs> of course. I should also note just a few trigger warnings as I get into the later episodes to describe this to people. Everything is horny. Part one. <laughs> part two. Episode two focuses a lot on the Romani, but calling them the G word. Oh, geez. Ew. That's very 2000s. And then episode three is basically fantastic racism, which I'll also get into later. Oh, great. Oh, hooray. I'm sure the Hallmark Company, the British and the Germans are going to be really <laughs> great about that. <laughs> yep. Just handled with the utmost sensitivity. Absolutely. So the Tenth Kingdom is about a bunch of fairy tale stuff. There's nine different kingdoms formed initially by like the various women of fairy tales, which I will describe later because it's admitted in there. And eventually they discover the Tenth Kingdom, which is our world, New York City in particular. And so the opening credits are this amazing, if somewhat, oh no, thing <laughs> where New York City is shown and then it starts collapsing into like beautiful fairy tale backgrounds yeah like you'll get a bunch of like the really fancy hotels around central park that are growing into real castles deeply hauntological <laughs> yeah part of the reason it, it can cause cringing is because uh, of course you see that you see the twin towers collapsing into a, a giant castle awkward 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 it's extremely awkward so we open up on virginia who is a girl who lives on the edge of the forest that is central park which, you know, it is really big. What I did like about Virginia was that another, like, very the year 2000 thing. And thus she's like, maybe you think it's embarrassing that I still live with my dad. And it's like, oh, honey. Oh, sweetheart. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know yet. You don't know what's about to happen. <laughs> oh, you still got five more years to the housing market collapses. Oh, honey. Don't get a mortgage. Don't get a variable rate mortgage. <laughs> But important for the rest of the series is that I'm going to spoil stuff, okay? Okay. I'm spoiling stuff on a 23-year-old TV miniseries. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> important to note is the evil queen is Virginia's mom, who basically left, and Virginia is Snow White Reborn. 
So like it's a it's it's like a reincarnation thing. Yeah, it's like a reincarnation thing. Huh. So the evil queen is Snow White's daughter. They're not actually related to Snow White, but Virginia is Snow White reborn. Okay, 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 okay. So she's not from any kind of bloodline, and it travels down no. the bloodline. It's just straight up reincarnation. Yeah, straight up reincarnation. It's like namesakes. There must always be a Snow White. Yeah, exactly. And Virginia is the new Snow White. Okay. And the evil queen is her mom, though we don't find that out until episode five. But it speaks a lot to a bunch of the stuff that's going to happen. Yeah, because at some point you hear that, like, her mom's been gone for 14 years. Her grandmother mentions that her mom was, like, white as snow as she made her debut at the Ritz. Hmm. Things like that. Hmm. So episode one is establishing the characters and making sure that you understand that Tony's a creep and Wolf is weird. And also here's Prince Wendell. Oh my god. I'll focus on these different plots. First, Prince Wendell is kind of an arrogant ruler who's soon going to be coronated to become king of his kingdom. He is the descendant of Snow White. Okay. He is, in fact, Snow White's grandson. Okay. And as part of the pre-coronation ceremony, he has to go and visit every person in his, like, kingdom, fourth kingdom, uh, established by Snow White. And this part's going to Snow White Memorial Prison, where the evil queen is. Okay, okay. Real quick, though. I absolutely love, like, I approve of any piece of media that gives me the slug line, Snow White Memorial Prison, across the bottom of the screen. (laughs) Yeah, the Snow White Memorial Prison is, like... That caption is like a one-hit KO, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's like that's like the cellar door of slug lines. That's like being punched repeatedly in the face. I love it. Snow White Memorial Memorial Prison. Prison. Like that tells a whole that's some baby shoes never worn shit. The story that tells. There's so much there. I honestly love all the signs in Snow White Memorial Prison, if you pause to, like, look at them, because they're all just, like, they reference fairy tales where it's, like, beyond this point, no food, because that's, you're going to the evil queen. She f***ing poisoned shit. Beyond this point, there's one sign later that's, like, do not give these prisoners, uh, I can't remember what it was. It's, like, uh, do not give these prisoners shoes. But it's because all of the prisoners down that corridor are from a certain race, which in fairy tales were obsessed with, like, using shoes to beat people to death. Amazing. It's incredible. So Prince Wendell's going to show up at this prison so he can kind of meet everybody. Meanwhile, Relish the Troll King is breaking his children out of prison. Okay, that's also a great name, actually. <laughs> like, not King Relish, it just sounds stupid. It sounds like a condiment <laughs> mascot, but Relish the Troll King. <laughs> it's got a beat and I can dance to it. <laughs> Relish the Trill King has to go rescue his children, who once again, Relish has this pair of magic shoes, which he's addicted to. Question. Uh, They turn him invisible. Yes. Is he named after the condiment, like a jar of relish that you put on a hot dog, or is he named after the act of enjoying something? So, funny note. Oh? Oh, God. I honestly don't know which it is, but I do know his children are Burly, Blabberwort, and Bluebell. And so it sounds to me like he might be named after just like relishing the act, or maybe they're just named after things that they enjoy that's nearby. Honestly, I also love when the trolls introduce themselves, it'll be like that, but like kind of great that Bluebell is not the girl. No, Bluebell's the youngest son. His name is Bluebell. Blabberwort is the daughter. Just relish. Anyway, yeah, these trolls all have shoe fetishes. 
They have shoe fetishes, uh, which I believe is a reference to trolls and Icelandic fairy tales. Don't, don't necessarily credit me to that. I'm just, I'm just guessing. But most, almost everything that happens in the show, like however corny it is, does have reference to some sort of fairy tale background. So I'm going to at least lean into that. But they have shoe fetishes. They really like shoes, especially leather shoes. I thought it was just going to be like a leather fetish. And well, that seems at least a bit more normal. But no, it's shoes specifically. (laughs) And when we say fetish, folks. Yeah. This is some wiki feet shit. Yeah. It's horny as shit. Yeah. Everything about this show is horny as shit. But again, I just, I can't tell. (laughs) how intentional it is because like okay some of it is definitely like purposefully horny but then you get into the shit that's like okay so that so this is a shoe fetish <laughs> are you aware that it's not just haha they're obsessed with something weird do you go on the internet in the year 2000 <laughs> i assure you there was a GeoCities page for this you know, I suspect this has something to do, like, I, I think this is a similar vibe to the fact that there was clearly someone with a muscle fetish working in Nickelodeon in the mid-2000s, you know? Wait, what? <laughs> if you look at some of the cartoon output from Nickelodeon, like the mid-2000s, like Fairly Odd Parents and stuff like that, one of the animators or one of the storytellers involved there had a massive, like, muscle fetish. Oh, I, that's that's entirely Butch Hartman. I blame him and I blame him in absolute... <laughs> Anyway, Relish Stroll King breaks his children out of jail, and as they're leaving and all bickering, he gets a feeling in his head that he needs to go down a certain area of the prison. And as he goes down that area, that's where we get like these signs that pop out that are like, warning, do not go any further than this. Warning, do not bring any food. But eventually he opens the door to reveal our evil queen sitting next to a very good golden retriever. It's just a good dog. Like, you can just tell throughout this episode, this is a very well-trained show dog. Very good dog. Like, this is a good acting dog. He's doing a very good job. He breaks out the Evil Queen, which is where everything between Wendell and Relish and the Evil Queen come together. And it turns out that the Evil Queen has this convoluted plan to take over all the kingdoms, which involves her very good dog running up to Prince Wendell, leaping up onto him, and then they have a transferal of minds. They anamorph into each other? Yeah. <laughs> very <laughs> badly. <laughs> they anamorph into each other? Like, sometimes the anamorph process like stops for a second and it's really unpleasant (laughs) so prince wendell becomes a dog and the dog becomes prince wendell the queen is like okay grab him and murder him please and prince wendell the now dog uh, tears off running through the memorial prison gets to the basement because the reason this is snow white memorial prison is because this was snow white's original castle that was then converted to a prison like the whole castle was converted to a jail yeah, so the basement is filled with Snow White's and the Evil Queen's cast-off, including a magic mirror that Prince jumps through and takes him to Manhattan. Smash cut back to Virginia. Virginia is so sad to still be living with her dad, who is a janitor, but the reason they can live in Central Park is because he is a janitor for a very fancy apartment complex right on the edge of Central Park. He's kind of the super, it seems. Yeah. He's the live-in guy. Currently, he's trying to fix the elevator. He gets Virginia up and down on the elevator while complaining to her the whole time. At some point, you meet his very rich, mean boss who has, like, the shittiest little snot of a child (laughs) in a bow tie and a suit. (laughs) Yeah. More hauntology from this, John Larroquette, the janitor, saying, you know, in 10 to 15 years, a society where people take care of each other is just not going to exist anymore. 
Oh, God, we can't linger on that one. <laughs> we can't linger on that one. So Virginia goes to work. She's a waitress at a place in Central Park. And as she's riding to work is when Prince pops out through the magic mirror and she crashes into him. She hits a dog with her bicycle. She runs him over. Yeah. <laughs> you can't account for dogs jumping out of magic mirrors. It's it's just not not something you can do. It totals her bike. Yeah. And she hits herself on the head. But also, again, I just want to say, like, the dog is lying there. She's like, oh, my God, I've killed a dog. And then, like, yeah. clearly you can see the dog handler, like, doing a little clicky from off screen. And the dog instantly sits up like, hello, I love you. <laughs> Hi, hello. Dog's such a good boy. It's a very well-trained dog. So she pets the dog and takes it with her to work to get set up in like a back room. She's shocked that this dog doesn't have a collar and it's like, yeah, it's a it's so well trained. You're telling me you found a stray dog in New York City. One of her co-workers names the dog Prince because he looks like a little prince, doesn't he? No, I think it's less remarkable that she found a stray dog in New York City and more remarkable that she found a purebred yellow lab <laughs> in New York City. Oh, it's a golden retriever, but yeah. Oh, that's a golden. Okay. With like the glossiest coat. Meanwhile, flashback to Snow White Memorial Prison. King Relish has told his children to go chase down that dog. They've gone through the mirror. The evil queen, not trusting the trolls to do their job, also goes through to try and find a tracker. And she eventually ends up in front of one thing. And she goes, tell me what you are. And uh, here's Scott Cohen as Wolf being like, oh, just a normal guy. I didn't do anything wrong. Just stole some sheep. Just making horny wolf noises through <laughs> the little slot in the door. <laughs> yeah. All the time. All the time. It's just horny wolf noises 24-7 from him on, here on out. <laughs> look, this guy makes Tex Avery's wolf from like Red Hot Riding Hood look subtle. <laughs> Eventually he admits he's half wolf and he's released. What does that mean to be half wolf here? Yeah, was, is, does that mean werewolf or does that imply things about his parents' sexual habits? So, important note. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. We get slight knowledge of this in episode three. It's kind of vaguely werewolfy, but there was a second seasoned plan of Tenth Kingdom. Really? That was going to focus on the second kingdom, Red Riding Hood's kingdom. And that was going to be all about Wolf's backstory. However, it's been in development hell for 23 years. So probably not happening. Not happening. So, okay, okay. So, <laughs> right. So, quote, so Red Riding Hood is a royal lineage now. Yes. So is Wolf like just, is his family just like persona non grata in that kingdom or, or what? His family's from that kingdom, but they're not wanted. But wolves are not wanted anywhere. Well, I've seen the internet. I'm not sure that's true. <laughs> they just reintroduced wolves to Belgium. Huh, that's good at least. So Wolf is released and Wolf goes now to track down the dog. I love that she's just like, she doesn't even place him under any kind of magic gifts or anything. She's just like, so you're going to like be loyal to me, right? And he's like, yeah, totally. Yeah, sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This is this is a trustworthy face. <laughs> Back in Manhattan, the trolls first discover Night Fever as a song. Get very excited by this, declare it magic. Oh my god, they've got, it's like it's a boombox. It's a compact boombox. Yeah, 
they find Virginia's wallet. They're very excited by that. And then they find her driver's license and they start figuring out where 81st Street is or 81st Street. Pardon me. It's a grid system, motherfucker. Yeah, that's the problem. These trolls can read and they can read street <laughs> signs. So it's all over for you. So they head to 81st Street to uh, get themselves to Virginia's house. Also, like... As soon as these trolls land in Central Park, they're like, this is a magic kingdom. We should claim it. We'll call it the Tenth Kingdom. And then they all repeat, the Tenth Kingdom, the Tenth Kingdom. They, they, they said the thing. They said the thing. There's way too much time spent on these trolls. I'm just going to say that. <laughs> it, the, so much of this episode is just these trolls doing bits. You say that. <laughs> But you only watched like 30 minutes of it. There's so much of this episode that is just bits from various characters. Like, not even things that like build out who these people are. It's just the same bit on repeat. <laughs> the trolls do have a cuss. The cuss is suck an elf. Okay, okay, okay. So I need to talk. I need to ask you about suck. So, okay. So, so are we talking, when we say suck an elf is a, is a fantasy cuss, are we describing the act of doing fellatio to an elf is considered like derogatory, like how people used to say that's so gay as a derogatory or it's said like fucking hell. Yeah, because the way they use it, it sounds like, oh, shit. Like, oh, suck an elf. It's used in a lot of different ways, the same way fuck is, but not necessarily in the same way where they're saying like, oh, why don't you go fuck off? Why don't you go suck an elf? What does suck an elf mean, like, culturally? <laughs> Do we meet elves? What kind of elves are they? Are they small elves? Are they like Tolkienian elves? Are they shoemakers? How does one perform fellatio on an elf? And why is that considered a bad thing? Or is it one of those situations where if you lick the elf, like they have a hallucinogenic sweat or something. So it's like <laughs> licking a toad. Yeah. We don't actually meet any elves. Well, that just... Well, then why what? is this the swear they use, Mackenzie? <laughs> How do you... What? I imagine it's similar to suck an egg. Yeah, but but that's but that's like... But they don't... No. <laughs> They'll use it like... And go suck an egg, but then they're like, "Oh, suck an egg." Nobody says that. You can go suck it out. Oh, please tell me, Elizabeth, how exactly does one suck it out? You want me to tell you? Please tell me. We will not have this at the dinner table. <laughs> what is it? I need to know about this cuss. I need to know the etymological origins of this cuss. Maybe we'd have learned about that in season two, but we never did. <sighs> Okay, 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 okay. If we're talking about strict fairy tales like like Grimm and Hans Christian Andersen era, those sorts of fairy tales, then we're probably talking about like little shoemaker elves, right? We're probably, talking about like probably. brownies? Yeah, that would make sense. That would make sense. But then again, they're also taking bits of like troll lore from, according to Mackenzie, Icelandic mythology. So anything could be on the table at this point. <laughs> Oh, God, you're right. You're right. Because then you're wondering if like dark elves are on the table. <laughs> Like, are light elves and dark elves on the table? Or are we using, like, like the Norse elf? Or what are we talking about? What what could these elves be? And are you performing fellatio on them or sticking the entire <laughs> elf in your mouth and sucking on it? Like a lollipop. To get high. To get high. It could be anything. <laughs> and this is the cuss they come up with. This is the thing. They couldn't just come up with, like... I don't know, a fake fantasy word or something that might refer to a different fairy tale. They just say suck an elf and then they use it not as like an invective. It's just, 
I don't understand. <laughs> Swears are so interesting etymologically, and this is nothing. <laughs> but they say it like 700 times in one episode, just so you know it's established. Don't worry. It's 700 times on every episode. I know Tolkien was like Conlang's gay organ is an outlier who should not have been counted, but come on, put some thought into this. <laughs> we can't all do the W's. <laughs> Uh, Wolf leaps through the mirror and he smells where Dog went, where Prince Wendell went. So he starts heading that way and he finds out it's a restaurant that serves lamb and he's very excited. He's like, I need to get the prince, but what if I also eat? This dude is also like dressed in really shabby clothes that look kind of like they're maybe from like here. So as far as I can tell... I mean, the waitress who serves him essentially just no-sells this, and, and I have to give that to her because she is working in a diner right off of Central Park. She's probably used to this. 100%. She has taken money from a weird guy who probably hasn't had a decent meal in a while just to feed him and completely ignore any of the unhinged things that come out of his mouth because he can't help it. Yeah, he is simultaneously being horny over sheep and shepherd girls. <laughs> At the same time, it's very unclear when he says eating someone, what exactly he means, whether it's literal or sexual or figurative or anything. Or all of them. Or poor Nolas Dos, yeah. Yeah, it's every single, anytime he talks about eating something or meat, just assume that it is both food and sex. And he talks about this all the time, and that's why this character is <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs> he really just pushes it up to like 12 when he needs to be at like a seven to be hot. <laughs> he sits down to order some food. Virginia, meanwhile, overhears him talking to the waitress about how he's just looking for his little lost doggy. And she's like, huh, I wonder if he's referring to Prince. And she heads back to go check on the dog. Because she locked him in a cupboard. Yeah. And as she opens... Like, she locked him in, like, the food storage. Luckily, not the fridge. As she gets into the cupboard, she opens it up and Prince has knocked down some flour and, and with his paw has written DANGER. And is just sitting there very proud of himself. Very proud of himself. He's such a good dog. Virginia assumes this is a prank until the dog is able to do the, the bark once for yes, twice for no thing. Yeah, Virginia actually figures that out, like, pretty quick. Like, to her credit, she's like, okay, bark once for yes, bark twice for no, and the dog does it, and she's like, oh, <laughs> okay, so this is a talking dog, okay. then. This dog understands human speech in a way that a dog cannot. This is interesting. So Virginia's like, I gotta leave, and heads off with the dog back to home. Wolf is being led to the back by the waitress at the same time. Oh, when they find out that the dog and Virginia's gone, he then gets weirdly sexual with the waitress he seduces the waitress to get virginia's address please i just need to know where virginia is tell me more about this scrumptious morsel who has my dog Scru mm. again <laughs> scrumptious not mm. 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 Genuinely wild that this waitress, like, to a guy who looks like the Hobo King, <laughs> says, yeah, I'll give you my friend's address. I just, I just, look, I wouldn't even trust a condom with, with that guy. Like, 
That is not going to, that's not going to keep it out. That's not going to keep all of the diseases this man must have out. You've got, no, you should not be doing this. And then you definitely should not say, yeah, my friend would love you. Girl, it's not worth the urinary tract infection. Girl. Girl, your whole vagina is in danger. We flash back to the apartment building as Virginia and Prince arrive where they find purple dust all over everything. She finds like the fancy rich tenants on the ground here with purple dust. And then she walks into her apartment where she finds her dad covered with purple dust and the trolls rustling through her shoes. Yeah, we did see this purple dust during the prison break. So we understand that there's troll shit happening. The troll shit is they're trying on her shoes and giving her shit about the care of the leather, like the leather shoes from her dad. And it's like, what (laughs) is happening? Every scene in the show is just like twice as long as it needs to be. Oh, yeah. Yes! I have. That continues. Oh, no. (laughs) They start demanding Virginia tell them where the dog is. And Virginia... Uh, agrees to tell them and she's like he's in this magic room come on and guides them into the elevator which she knows her dad just barely fixed so she gets in the elevator closes the doors and then breaks it so they're stuck in the elevator they will be stuck in the elevator for so long (laughs) and we will keep checking on them we will keep going back to check on yep they're still in the elevator (laughs) (laughs) this thing does not trust the audience to remember things that happened (laughs) To be fair, this when I first watched this, it was cut with ad breaks like every 15 minutes. So mm, that would make sense. Yeah. Still, I feel like this could have just been a normal length TV episode. This could have been 42 <laughs> minutes and covered the same amount of ground. Almost for sure. <laughs> yeah, because that's the thing, right? It's like this episode is just like. It's not so much that it's not giving you things that propel the plot forward, except for all this shit, but Tony will get into. <laughs> but like. It is so much longer than it needs to be. There are still story beats happening. Like, events still occur that, like, progress the narrative. But they take so long to get around to it. (laughs) So Virginia just leaves with Wendell to get away from this situation, as she should. And eventually, Tony wakes up right as Wolf arrives at the apartment. Wolf and Tony go back and forth. Wolf notices a picture of Virginia and is like, This is the creamiest, dreamiest girl I've ever seen. Oh, I, I don't like him calling her creamy. I don't like that. <laughs> I don't care for it. Uh, and the fact that, like, Tony is just kind of okaying his way through this guy being extremely horny over photos of his daughter. <laughs> and they're not even, like, I mean, they're just, like, like they went down to the Sears to get a picture. <laughs> like, oh, God, don't call her creamy. Don't do that. Creamiest, dreamiest. There is one way that you could describe somebody with a uterus as creamy, and it is not just a general thing. It's a very specific instance. That's a very specific situation. (gasps) That's a very specific situation. You can't just say creamy. What's wrong with you? You (laughs) He's a horny wolf. Oh, gosh. He makes a deal with Tony. Hey, I'll give you this magic wish granting bean if you'll just tell me where your daughter is. And Tony's like, this is a fucking joke, right? And Wolf is like, no, no, it's a standard wishing bean. You get three wishes, no wish, or you know, you get six. six wishes, no wishing on the fifth wish that you get infinity more wishes, you know, standard shit. And Tony's like, okay, fine. This must be like a dream or something, whatever. And takes the bean 
And it's like, she's probably with her grandma. And also, it turns out he has to eat it, and this thing is like the size of my thumb. Yeah, and it's also wiggling. I'm surprised this wasn't a suppository. We also later learn that it's actually a dragon turd. Important. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, that's another fetish to add to the list. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's also that weird thing where, like, the bean visual effects just go up people's noses like a weird green trail of magic that goes up your nose and that feels like it's probably a fetish thing <laughs> i can't tell you how but i'm almost certain it's like when you see the lady with the white wonder breath and you just like okay that's a fetish thing exactly it's the white lady buying expensive wonder bread like it pings all of my weird <laughs> fetish detection we focus on tony for a while his rich client shows up and is yelling at him Tony, without thinking, says, I wish that you and your entire family would kiss my ass and do anything I say. Which, the green trail effect goes into the guy's nose, and he's like, yes, master, cue that happening. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. He makes kissy lips. It makes kissy lips and goes down to kiss Tony's butt. We will later learn that not only it's him, but his whole family just wants to literally kiss his butt. And, again, and, and then, before the kissy lips happen... Before, like, he leans down to kiss his butt, Tony grabs this dude by the tie and drags him into his apartment, and it's like, okay. Are you paying attention, television show? Just add a third fetish to the list. You're doing it in the horniest way possible, but I... I, I are you aware? I can't tell. Dragging another man by the tie after he asks to kiss your ass into your apartment. This is not, this is not a heterosexual event. This is not like a non-horny event. There's literally only one way this scene goes after that. Visual language communicates ideas and this only communicates one idea. This only communicates one story here. We then flash to Virginia, who goes to get expositioned out by Grandma. This whole scene is basically sitting in bed with an old lady in a frilly nightgown who, as you already know, is you for like 10 minutes. As you already know, your mother was so beautiful. And then she had to marry Tony, which fair, Tony is not a catch. No, usually you want to be on this guy's side, but Tony just seems awful. Tony's the worst. Yeah, John LaRoquette is normally such a charming actor, and yet they've done this. Yeah. He managed to play his skis very well. So Virginia stays over at Grandma's with Prince. Meanwhile, Wolf does locate her the next morning with a big bouquet of flowers that he stole it off somebody's terrace. He's changed into like a long suit jacket, too. You have no idea where he got it? Don't ask. No one knows. Unclear. He's gone through like two costume changes. He offers this to her grandmother and he's like, I'm here to meet my betrothed. You can't be her grandmother. Her sister. Her mother, maybe. And Grandma's charmed. And she's like, anyway, she's so embarrassed by my immense fortune. And Grandma lets him in. He then starts tying Grandma up to cook her. Yeah, he trusses her up like a Christmas turkey. Oh, boy. Virginia wakes up, meanwhile, and starts heading that way going, Grandma! And he's like, shit. And he hurries and rushes down to Grandma's room. It's like, I'm here, dear, to do the Red Riding Hood thing. And I mean, I'm not even talking like he trusses her up like he literally gets out a gigantic baking pan and like trusses her up. 
like a goose and puts like a whole bunch of potatoes and vegetables down, talks about seasonings. He is going to cartoon. And then and then only then is he like, oh, wait, that's right. You won't fit in the whole oven in one piece. (laughs) They'll chop you up, which is when Virginia wakes up. He is straight up going to murder her and eat her. It's okay, it's fairy tales. These things have a way of bouncing back. Virginia screams when she realizes it's not her grandma, as one does. They start running around the house and she ends up shoving him out a window and he lands on a dumpster. I want to just look at this scene from Virginia's perspective. (laughs) Setting aside the talking dog. (laughs) Sorry, that's just a really good phrase. (laughs) Setting aside the talking dog. She is woken up, found a strange man who is making sexual advances at her, (laughs) pretending to be her grandma in her grandma's bed. She has no idea where her grandma is. She has just woken up to find that she's in pajamas. (laughs) This man then pursues her throughout the apartment. The stranger harasses her. At one point does, in fact, approach her with a butcher's knife before being like, oh, how did that get there? (laughs) Ha 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 ha. And then she discovers that her grandmother has been tied up and is sitting on the kitchen counter with a gag in her mouth, surrounded by vegetables as though she is a Christmas goose. (laughs) This man broke into her home, trussed up her grandmother to apparently roast her alive, then tried to, like, come on to her (laughs) with a knife, with a butcher's knife. And then she shoved him out a balcony or something and she killed him. <laughs> How is she going to explain any of this to anyone, least of all, the police? <laughs> New York, baby! <laughs> Speaking of the police, we flash to Tony. Tony's having the time of his life because all of the- Don't say the- that. Don't say that because <laughs> it's the last thing we saw him doing. The fancy rich people are all cleaning his house and scrubbing his shoes with their tongues and shit like that. With their tongues, again, with their tongues. <laughs> Another fetish for the list. Licking shoes, literally licking, oh my god. Tony wishes that he never runs out of beer, so the fridge doubles the beer every time. You know that's going to get bad fast. His second wish is literally for a never-ending supply of alcohol. And then his next move is like, oh, your hot young trophy wife is going to do anything I say, huh? That's cool. Yeah. Uh He's such a slime ball. He's such a fucking slime ball. He wishes that his house would clean itself. The vacuum starts running around talking. The vacuum starts running around talking, and the first thing it says, by the way, is suck, suck, suck. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> How much is this on purpose? <laughs> So my general policy when it comes to characters is that it's okay if a character sucks, as long as the conflict created by them sucking goes somewhere. So Mackenzie, I do have a question for you. (laughs) Does the fact that this guy sucks go anywhere? Yeah. Oh, thank God. He gets- Not in this episode, though. Not in this episode, though. He doesn't even receive, like, magical comeuppance. He sort of does, because he then wishes for a million dollars, where the police immediately show up and are like, this is the money stolen from the bank robbery. Oh, and it's not even just the police. It's like a SWAT team. Yeah. There are very large guns pointed at him at all times, which, you know, New York City police. He's thrown into the back of a cop car. It's also at this point that we flash back to Wolf. Wolf wakes up. He's like, gosh, the girl I like didn't like me back. Hmm. I need to resolve this. And he's kind of wondering along and he bumps into this lady and he like, for some reason, starts gushing about his situation to her. And she's like, ah, you must be my new referral and drags him upstairs. And she's a psychiatrist. 
Yeah, and it's like she even has like a German accent. This is a psychiatrist character. <laughs> she's got the chase launch and everything. The chase launch and everything. She's got the Roshark blots. She starts asking him. Like word association. Word association and all of his word associations are food. But like horny food. Horny food. She gives him some reading ideas. He heads out to buy these books at the same time that Tony's going by on the police car at a, a market in Brooklyn, I guess. No, it's still in Central Park. Oh, it's, it's still in Manhattan. Okay, just like a market in Central Park. Yeah, it turns out it's just like a farmer's market in Central Park, and there's a bookseller there, and they have every single book that Wolf needs. Yep, Wolf finds those. He then notices Virginia's still there, or nearby. The police are cutting through Central Park to take him to jail. Tony's like begging them to let him out. I'll get you anything. I could wish for you anything. Do you want a house in the Hamptons? The police are like, stop trying to bribe us, dude. He's like, I wish I could get out of this, which the police then crash into a fruit stand. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. They like the brakes stop working and they're like, okay, instead of rolling into the middle of Central Park on one of the lawns and just hitting a tree or slowing down, let's keep accelerating and turn directly into the farmer's market. (laughs) With all of the people. (laughs) New York City, baby. (laughs) Tony crashes, rolls out. The wolf, Tony, and Virginia and the dog all end up together at this point and go charging to find the mirror in Central Park and leap back through. So now they're all in fairytale land. They've all gotten Isekide, except for a wolf. Oh, yeah. And at some point, the trolls got out of the elevator because, like, oh yeah, one of the rich people fixed it for Tony. Yeah, and they're charging through all this, too. And don't worry, we did keep cutting back to the trolls intermittently to remind you that they existed. <laughs> I did like at some point where they were like, what the fuck is happening? I think we're in her pocket. We're in a matchbox in her pocket. They're like, you idiot. That can't be real. We're where are match. all the matches? <laughs> Which, honestly, I feel like that's a fairly good fairy tale person assumption to make. Yeah. But either way, they've decided that she's a witch. Mm-hmm. We then are back in the kingdom, the fourth kingdom, where Snow White Memorial Prison is. Oh, right, right. Tony also uses last wish in the stupidest way possible. <laughs> to talk to the dog. He wished that he could understand what the dog is saying. <laughs> Not that anybody else could. He is now appointing himself translator for the magic dog. <laughs> He's like, oh, he's a prince, I guess. He doesn't even always tell his daughter all of the things that the magic dog has told him. No. So, like, there's exposition that she misses out on. Yeah. Tony and the prince get caught by the prison guards. Because they're still in the prison. They come back directly where they left. So they're just in the basement of a prison. And they're like, that is the evil queen's dog. So you must have helped her get loose. And Tony's like, wait, what? What? No. And they throw him into the prison. At some point before they get captured, they're in the basement. There's a big map of the kingdoms where it helpfully labels Urine Snow White Memorial Prison. (laughs) So that's actually a running joke. Anytime they see a map, it's like, you are here. Which is, again, incredibly convenient. And also, like, it gives the prince a bit of time to explain all of the lore of the kingdoms to Tony while Virginia just stares at a map for a while. (laughs) Virginia and Wolf, meanwhile, end up separated because Virginia's grabbed by the trolls who decide to take her back to torture her for information. You'll never guess what their torture methods center around. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm so glad uh, I tapped out of this a half hour in. <laughs> what is this, a Tarantino movie? <laughs> a little. It sure felt like it. 
basically the rest of the episode kind of fixates on Tony for a while as Tony tries various escape attempts. Well, we meet his... He meets Warwick Davis at some point. He meets Warwick Davis, who is Acorn the Dwarf. He also has a, a goblin companion named Carver. He's in for carving. Is that a crime? He's in for carving. Well... <laughs> Depends on what he carves. Why is he in for carving? Is carving illegal? Depends on what he's carving. What did he carve? It's implied that it's flesh. Hmm. <laughs> Tony does this thing where Prince gets him a copy of the key. He then embeds it in some soap and he takes that to a dentist. Who is a tooth fairy. Who's a tooth fairy, yeah. And then Tony's caught using that key, so he's like put on more things. This is not very efficient storytelling. <laughs> no. <laughs> And then all the stuff in the basement's being thrown out. So Prince works to get Tony put on throwing out the mirror duty so that he can take care to make sure the mirror isn't smashed. I do recall that like the end of the first episode was like, Virginia wakes up in the Troll Kingdom. They're going to torture her for information. She's even like, but I literally don't know anything. And they're like, "Uh, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. We have to torture you first and then we get information. We just can't ruin a good torturing. Yeah, basically. It's like, that's great. And then they're also like, part of the torture mm, definitely involves doing things to her feet. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, we like shoes. Let's use shoes. The iron shoes? You're going to dance for us in the red hot iron shoes that the queen danced in. Which is cool. And that's where episode one basically is. We do have a quick scene with the queen with her dog prince. (laughs) And she explains like, yes, Snow White's evil stepmother was the coolest, best queen ever. And I'm her successor. Yeah. Just so we establish that. We'll probably establish it a lot more later. We're going to focus most on that episode. I will give a rundown of the later episodes. Yeah. Okay. So I'm totally in the dark now. (laughs) Yeah. We are in uncharted territory. Guide us, Mackenzie. Hold our hands. Hold your hands. We're ready. Episode two. We start with Virginia being saved by Wolf from the troll torture because Wolf basically does a to the fairest situation where he throws a bunch of shoe boxes in. Oh, no. And they're all marked to the strongest, most powerful troll. The trolls all mutually beat each other up until they're knocked out. For shoes. For shoes. Mm -hmm. Wolf gets in and releases Virginia, calling her creamy a bunch of times. No, <laughs> he keeps no. saying creamy. Why does that keep coming back? No, Puff, puff, he can't help it. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's another thing. He says huff puff like it's just a filler phrase, which is like, I mean, okay, I get it, big bad wolf or something, but also like what? I don't trust those words coming out of this this psychosexual man. <laughs> I, would, I I don't know if I'd prefer Huff Puff or, or like sexy food things. I don't. It's bad all around. <laughs> Virginia steals the magic shoes. The wolf tells her not to a couple of times. Which magic shoes? Troll King's relishes magic invisible shoes. Oh, the blingied clogs. Yeah, exactly. Right. They then run off. They have two ways to go. One which looks nice. One which looks terrible and is filled with beanstalks. Wolf says we're going that way because beanstalks smell bad. And that way the trolls have a harder time tracking us. Yeah, they mentioned that in prison too. Why? Why do the why are beanstalks so abhorrent? They just smell bad. I don't know. I can't help you. I have no easy answers. Hmm. The trolls wake up from being knocked out when their dad shows up and yells at them. They then roll some dwarf weed. What? What? <laughs> they roll some dwarf weed. Come again? They. They. <laughs> no. Is there no sentence that precedes that that explains? <laughs> 
Why? They ask if they have any magic mushrooms. They don't. So one of them says, I've got some really dank dwarf weed. No, they say dank? They don't. <laughs> yes. You're no. dumb, Mackenzie. And they roll it. Oh, God, this is the year 2000. <laughs> they really say, I have some dank dwarf weed. <laughs> yes. That's a real line. <laughs> That's a real line. Oh, no. Smoke weed every day. They roll it, and that lets them see fairies for three days, which makes tracking things easier. No, they do <gasps> drugs to see fairies. Yes. Did I write this in a fugue state? <laughs> Did I, as I exist today, go back in time and write this extremely stupid show? <laughs> Wolf leads Virginia through the beanstalk forest. And there's a moment where they kind of sit down and they're talking and Virginia like looks down and there's like a little puff of a tail. Virginia's like, what is that? Uh Uh-oh. And Wolf replies, it's not very big this time of the month. It's just a little brush. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, no. (laughs) No. Uh, Virginia replies with, you have a tail. Uh, Wolf replies with, you have succulent breasts and I don't go on about them Uh all the time, do I? No. No. And then Wolf says, why don't you touch it? It's perfectly normal. Come on, give it a streak. No, no. And Virginia uh, strokes. He directly compared it to succulent breasts. And now she's just gonna touch it. He's like, she touches it. And he's like, oh, no, no, not against the fur. With the fur. Oh, my God. It's the Star Trek face thing. Your non-human attribute is automatically an erogenous zone. Don't. No. And she strokes it and he he, he makes some weird horny noises. No. Don't call it stroking. In the novelization. I'm so upset, Mackenzie. I'm so upset, Mackenzie. In the novelization, this is even more horny. No. Oh, no. no. Oh, no. Oh, God. They write it like a sex scene in the novelization, don't they? Because she strokes it until Wolf's completion. God. What? His what? His what? His what? His what? glad I could lead you both on this journey. Mackenzie, what does that mean in context? I've never been more grateful that something was not available to stream in the UK. I need you to tell me what completion means in this context. <laughs> in the novelization, it faced a black Annie, but he like rise <gasps> and groans. And it's like, he's like talking to her about it afterward. And he's like, no. that was so good. No, it's worse than it fades to black. It is worse than it fades to black. <laughs> Do not leave it up to my imagination. No! <laughs> no! <laughs> no! 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 Meanwhile, we flash to Tony. <laughs> Tony arrives back from the prison to find Clayface and Acorn. Shawshank Redemptioning this. They've got a giant dug hole out from behind a poster. What is the poster of? I, I hesitate to ask. Honestly, I can't remember. <laughs> Oh, thank God. probably means it's not something egregious. No. Acorn's like, well, we gotta kill him now. Tony's like, wait, 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 wait. And Clayface says, hold on. And he steps forward and he offers Tony the soap he's been carving, which for some reason, I guess Clayface is uh, prophetic, is carved into the shape of Tony Wolf Virginia and Prince Wendell the dog. That's very specific (laughs) and detailed. And he hands it over and says, I trust you. What? (laughs) I'm just out of nowhere, huh? I trust you with what? I don't know. 
<laughs> with, the, with the escape plan, I guess. What? <laughs> I mean, this is a welcome break from thinking about the tail completion, but what? <laughs> Virginia and Wolf break into the prison using the invisible shoes. Okay. And as they're going along, Virginia finds the dog and releases the dog, grabs the dog so that he is now invisible as well. Because it turns out if you're wearing the shoes and people are clinging to you, you'll also be invisible. Okay. Okay. One of those rules. That's fine. And they eventually make it to Tony's thing, but Tony, Acorn, and Clayface have all started crawling through the hole to escape. So they're like, oh, he must have gone this way. And Wolf's like, yeah, I can smell Tony this direction. And they start crawling through, which results in Wolf running face first into Tony's ass. No. Yeah. Okay. I'm less concerned about that and more the fact that they escaped the prison, broke back into the prison only to immediately escape again. <laughs> yeah. Again, this is not an efficient story. No. They had, what did I figure out? They had like seven and a half hours of time for this for like a 90 minute five episodes. And yeah. like, they are not using this. There's just nothing happening here for so, or the same thing <laughs> happens over and over. This is, uh, I don't want to say filler. Filler has just had to be put on the shelf along with parasocial. But like, ooh. <sighs> Just a series of plot cul-de-sacs. Yeah. Yes. Yes. You just end up right back where you started. Yes. 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 It's one of those. So they get out uh, through this hole. Acorn has already taken the boat with the mirror on it and left. Clayface is still there and tells them this. Clayface is like, I'm heading this way. You guys want to go with? And they're like, no, we need to kind of get out of here. He's like, oh, well, there's another boat. So they go and get on the other boat. They're on this other boat. As they get away from everything, Virginia's kind of clinging to the shoes Wolf asks Virginia, hey, are you hungry for approval? And she's like, no, uh, absolutely not. Why are you asking this? And she kind of zones out and he grabs the shoes and throws them away off board. Because they're addictive? They're addictive. And she starts screaming about them. And she's like, how come you could wear them and didn't get addicted? And he goes, because they play to your personality. You want to be invisible. So they play to you. The king wants to feel powerful. Magic naturally plays to that. I don't really care about either of these things. Oh, there's stuff that you can play to with him. <laughs> there's other stuff, but he doesn't care about those two things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. One of the big things about like invisible man stories is always the voyeurism. It and you're true. telling me that at no point would magic shoes play to this horny <laughs> eater's voyeur like interest in maybe being like a fly on the wall in a lady's house. It, you're No way. Uh, we flash to the Troll King and the Queen. Troll King is attacking Beantown and has punched the mayor and is taking it over. And the Queen's like, what the fuck are you doing? I will give you Windle's kingdom. Just be patient. And he's like, I'm sick of being patient. I'm sick of you ordering me around. We flash back to Wolf being a creep. Non-specific creep. He could be doing anything right now. Yeah, that uh, could be death could describe at any point along the story so far. <laughs> like episode two involved... The tail thing and all of my expectations. Are the, the, I, I'm just keyed all wrong for this. It could be anything. Mackenzie, you could tell us literally anything happens next. And you'd be like, yeah, that seems fine. Yeah. Honestly, I'm shocked that the wolf wasn't like, I want to be invisible when Virginia takes off her clothes. I'm shocked that that is a road not traveled for this character and this piece thus far. Basically, as Virginia is heading upstairs, he's staring at Virginia's butt. <sighs> and Tony's like, don't look at my daughter like that. And Wolf is like, it's animal passion. Oh, f oh, hey, Tony, where the f*** have you been on this? <laughs> now you're stepping in? 
as Tony and Wolf are kind of bickering back and forth, they knock into a part of the boat and it falls down, revealing there's a magic goldfish in an aquarium. What? At the bottom of the boat? In the boat. How big of a boat are we talking? Pleasure cruise, not a yacht size. It's like uh, when a rich person has like a boat that can hold like 10 people. Okay, okay, okay. So there's a small fish tank down here. Got like a little bedroom that you'd like see in the back of like a motorhome, things like that. Okay. It's like a small fish tank and it has like a plaque next to it. And it's like magic gold fish, stick your finger in, say these words and then turn south and you'll be able to use your finger to touch anything and turn it to gold. Well, that's a conveniently detailed sign. <laughs> Tony's immediately intrigued. Wolf is like, do yeah, not- Yeah, because this dude took six wishes and ate a piece of dragon shit. Yeah. He's in for it. <laughs> He's learned zero lessons learned zero about lessons. tragic magic ironies. Wolf is like, do not f***ing touch it. Tony's like, but if I did that and touched this boat, we'd be rich. And Virginia from up the stairs is like, and we'd sink. Does gold <laughs> float? Tony! (laughs) And we flash to the queen who is now looking at her magic mirror and she's like, magic mirror, magic mirror, tell me where Wendell is. She couldn't even make that rhyme? She made it rhyme. I I didn't write down the rhyme. And the mirror's like, I can't show you Wendell because there are three traveling with Wendell and two of them I cannot show. So while he is with them, I am unable to show him. One can speak with Wendell and one can hurt you. Sure. And she's like, okay, well, show me Wolf then. And she shows Wolf and Wolf's like, fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, no, I'm not serving you anymore. I found the woman of my dreams. And he flips it over. Okay, okay. I just, all right. Okay, sorry. You said Wolf and he said, fuck, 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 fuck. And I just wanted to be sure if that was... What kind of fuck he was saying, if that was a panic, like, oh no, or if that was just his line. It was like a panicked, oh no. <laughs> it could have gone either way, Mackenzie, and you know it. Because <laughs> he could just be sitting there with the camera focused on and him saying like, sex, 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 sex. <laughs> Their boat reaches town. At some point, Tony did do the magic fish thing, and he's just holding his pinky up because that's the finger he inserted. Because if he touches anything with it, it's going to turn to gold. As they reach to town, he's wandering off with Wendell. I need to check how far out we are from Austin Powers now. (laughs) They're trying to figure out where the mirror was sold to because they find Acorn. Acorn's like, I sold the mirror. Okay, great. So Austin Powers came out in 1997. So absolutely, society is still in the grip of holding up your pinky finger and saying an evil thing. Yeah. Oh, good. (laughs) Great. As Wendell and Tony walk around, the three trolls also arrive. And they go to grab Wendell, and Tony's like, shit, what can I do? Shit, what can I do? He's like, Wendell, come this way. And as Wendell's running towards him, he charges forward and touches the three troll kids with his golden finger. But right then, they also grab Wendell, and so the trolls and Wendell all turn to gold. What? Were the trolls all touching each other? They were all, like, tripping over each other, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, and this is, like, 2000, so this is, like, CGI chrome, but yellow, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Oh, good. So they get a chisel, break window off from the trolls. A chisel? A chisel. That seems like a bad idea. For gold? And get a little cart to start pulling the gold dog along. As they leave town this way, the queen summons her huntsman, who's Rutger Hauer. What? (laughs) Wait, how do I know that name? Rutger Hauer from Lady Lady Hawk? Hawk. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) Really? Yes. I'm looking this up. I don't believe you. No, it's Rutger <laughs> Howard the Huntsman. Does he get a nice horse in this one, too? 
He doesn't get a nice horse in this one. No. Okay, so we are, we're approaching like a, st- a perfect storm of self-referential bullshit on this show. God. <laughs> we don't even do this on purpose, but we keep looping back around to ourselves. Oh, God. <laughs> I don't think this is working against the theory that in the future I will travel back in time and write this show. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> She summons Rutger Hauer, her huntsman. Incredible. So just in between stints of, do we ever see him at night? We do a few times. Okay, okay. So he's not presently turning into a bird. No, he just walks around in a log trench coat hunting things. Bless. She's like, I need you to go find this dog because nobody who's f***ing going after this dog is bringing this dog back to me. And he's like, yes, my queen, I will never fail you. However, I may get distracted by Michelle Pfeiffer along the way. <laughs> Which homes among us. <laughs> Once they're out in the forest, Tony is having kind of like a breakdown because he's like, he's actually realizing his actions have sucked. Thanks. Really? Yeah. He's like, I can't believe I did that gold thing. I was just trying to save Wendell, but now Wendell's fucking gold. This is all my fault. Now the dog's basically dead. I've killed the prince of this kingdom. I suck. White man who can only fail upwards is experiencing consequences? (laughs) Wolf is like, things have a way of bouncing back here. Don't worry too much. Tony's like... Really? Are, are you saying that? To, are you really saying that? Is, that? is that true? And Wolf's like, it's not really true, but I'm going to say it to get you to shut up. <laughs> and I'm like, I appreciate that. Hey, you know, okay. I appreciate okay, Wolf. that. <laughs> I appreciate that. It turns out Wolf can say things that aren't the worst. <laughs> As they're walking through this forest, they encounter an old hag. What's her house like? We haven't seen her house. We just see the old hag. Because like, what the hag's house like is going to determine a lot. <laughs> She's like... Please give me some food. And Tony and Wolf are both like, nah. No, 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 you idiot. No. Virginia's like, here's a bunch of sandwiches. Thank you. Sorry, we don't have anything else. Always feed the old person asking for food in the woods. What's wrong with you? The lady's like, because one of you showed me great kindness, I will give advice to all of you. A great enemy is following you right now. You want to get away from it. However, you're not going to get away from him on this path. You have to get off the path. Go into the woods? Go into the woods, in <laughs> fact. However, the woods are constantly laced with, like, signs that say, Warning! Huntsman's Woods! Trespassers will be shot! Poachers will be shot! If you are trespassing, you are considered a poacher! Pretty draconian. <laughs> they head off into the woods. Rutger Hauer, meanwhile, stalks behind them and steps on one of the abandoned sandwiches. Because what is distance? I don't know. An abandoned sandwich. <laughs> As they're walking, they find a bunch of dead birds, which again says all trespassers will be considered poachers, which is when they find a Romani camp. Uh-oh. Oh, good. Uh-oh. How bad is it? They use the G-slur all the time. No. no. Wolf gives them some rules. Do they all speak with big cartoonish accents? Not really. Okay. Well, at least we have something. Is there anyone with a crystal ball? Yes. Oh. Well, she has tarot cards. Oh. There's dancing music after they're, they're like, we're giving you all this hospitality. Will you sing a song for us? Tony stands up and sings that 1960s song, G-Words, Tramps and Thieves. No. <laughs> yup. No. Do- oh, God, you're doubling down. Virginia is walking around the camp and she finds some birds begging for freedom. They're just little victims. Set us free. Little victims. We're just little victims. (laughs) What a normal thing to say. (laughs) We're just normal men. (laughs) We're just innocent men. And Wolf is like, these are talking birds. They're sold to rich people. 
after their wings are broken. And Finian's like, that's that's terrible. The leader of the Romani camp, who is an old fortune telling woman, of course. Of course. Steps out and it's like, I want to read everybody's future. Tony's called first and she flips over a bunch of tarot cards that don't exist, calling him the oaf, the buffoon, the village idiot. Oh, is there a death card that is like just a picture of him dying? <laughs> no. But she's like, you're an idiot and your idiot will get you into a bunch of problems until you start thinking about others and not just yourself. Virginia's turn. Virginia sits down. She's like, you have a destiny that stretches back far and you are destined to do great things. And Virginia's like, oh, okay, thanks. Thumbs up. And she's like, also give me a lock of your hair. And Virginia's like, okay. What? <laughs> no questions asked? No questions asked. Virginia's just kind of up for whatever in this, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wolf then is like, tell me all about my romance. Tell me everything. And the fortune teller's like, death, a young girl dead, torn to pieces. And Wolf's like, that's not what I want to know. And she's like, we also know you're a wolf. And Wolf is shrugs and is like, so is your grandson. What of it? And she's like, okay, best friends, everybody, let's dance. And they dance and then sleep with the Romani camp. Mm. They sneak out in the morning because they're trying to get away from this. And as they're sneaking out, Virginia sets all the birds free because they're just little victims. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, after giving the fortune teller a lock of her hair. Mm, that's a really bad idea. The fortune teller cast a curse on Virginia, which has let her hair grow until she hates it and wants to die. What? Yeah, so that's basically it. Just imagine that in rhyme. Yeah, okay, so that length for me is about chin length. It will not take long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the huntsman shows up and kills all the Romani because they're poachers in his woods. Oh... And we also learn he has a weird crossbow at this point, which does have a hawk on the front of it, for the record. Okay. Same. Okay. Okay, good. <laughs> it shoots and it, the bolt won't stop until it hits a living creature. Wow, that hat is not doing him any favors. I know it's not. <laughs> it's about this time that Virginia's hair has started growing. How bad are the wigs? It's terrible. <laughs> Soon it's nearly 10 feet long. Ooh. So Tony and the wolf are having to help carry it and it's raining, which is when they find shelter in the seven dwarves house, abandoned. None of them have a knife? They've tried cutting it. It won't cut. It's impenetrable. Oh, yikes. Yeah. So they get into the house. They start a fire. Wolf's like, we really shouldn't have a fire if someone's following us. That weight is going to basically snap her neck. Yeah. And Virginia's like, I don't care. I'm not going to go to bed with wet hair. Here we get some more exposition where Wolf explains there are five women who changed history. Snow White, Cinderella, Queen Riding Hood, Gretel the Great, and Lady Rapunzel. Gretel the Great? Okay. So they're really stretching the definition of royalty here in fairy tales, huh? Yeah. Gretel the Great? Did she hunt witches? Unknown. They they formed kingdoms one through five and brought peace to all of the lands. Some say Cinderella's still alive, but no one's seen her in public in 40 years. She'd be 200 now. We're also like definitely talking about a thing where like these are all characters that are either really, really old Disney movies or they haven't made Disney movies about them yet. We're looking at like the year 2000. So like that's like post Disney Renaissance or at the tail end of it. So we're looking at like Ariel and Belle, like Beauty and the Beast, those are still like very popular in the public conscious. So they probably were like, mm, we got to look elsewhere. Virginia mentions that her mom walked out when she was seven. Wolf's like, why would she do that? Virginia's like, I don't know. Tony looks very uncomfortable in the background and says, I'm going to go check out the rest of this place and heads off. So that's probably a cool conversation you never had with your adult daughter. <laughs> yeah. Wolf's like, you must mentions that she must be terribly hurt. And Virginia's like, they just split up. Doesn't that happen where you come from? And Wolf says, of course not. You either live happily ever after or you get killed by a terrible curse. That's how it works here. <laughs> <laughs> and I kind of loved that. <laughs> the next morning they wake up. Virginia's hair's 
now like 40 feet long, Virginia can literally not move. Yeah. Uh, one of the little birds that Virginia saved shows up and suggests that there's an axeman nearby who has an axe that can cut through anything and suggests where they go. So Wolf and Tony are like, okay, yeah, we'll go get this. As they're going, though, they've gathered up all of the hair and Wolf's carrying most of it. And they start walking. However, they hear the huntsman in the distance. So Wolf's like, I will hide you guys because I know how to hide people. So only visually they can't be seen. It could only be told by noses and the huntsman can't smell shit. And I will lead him on a chase. However, as he does this, Virginia and Tony are hiding. The huntsman walks up, kind of looks around and starts walking off when Virginia sneezes. Of course. Tony is instantly like, run, 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 let's go. And they start running only for the huntsman to step on Virginia's hair and take her captive. Ooh. And that's the end of episode two. That's the end of episode two? Yes. That's so many individual plots happening. And the thing is that, like, I swear, okay, so, like, the first episode, I feel like I couldn't really break those up into, like, you know, 30-minute episodes, like, shorter plots. In episode two, do these feel like you could actually break them up into smaller episodes to figure out how the hell these narratives are structured? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so they really just kind of aired a bunch of episodes back to back in terms of how they paced this, huh? Yeah. Okay. Just a quick note, we've covered two episodes in an hour and a half. We're going to need to go much faster. I'm going to try slamming through the rest <laughs> real quick. So the next thing is Tony and Wolf find the Axeman. They're like, can we just borrow your axe for like 30 minutes? We'll bring it back. The Axeman's like, not unless you guess my name. And to do that, what? your friend has to put his head on there and I will chop off his head if you get it wrong. Is this the Green Knight? Tony fucking starts yelling. Where he's like, what is with you people? What kind of twisted upbringing did you have? Why can't you just say that it'll be a hundred gold coins or something? Why must it always be lay a golden egg or cut the hairs off a giant's ass? <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, Tony? You go off. You know, all right. They learn the, the Axeman's name, Juliet. They get his axe. They go back to only find that Virginia. Juliet? The Axeman's name is Juliet. Okay. As in Romeo and? <laughs> or like Juliet the prison in Chicago. <laughs> They go back, find Virginia's gone. Then they have to trace her back. A bird helps them find her where the huntsman left her. He was going to try and towards her to get her information. And then the queen was like, hey, can I talk to you? Come to the castle. Okay, so it was good to free the birds? Yes, it was good to free the birds. They're helping. Oh, the Romany were just bad guys, huh? No, not really. Because the birds only help them stop the, with the curse that Virginia caused. So really... Mm -hmm. You know, hmm. anyway, Rutger Hauer has to go talk to the queen again because the queen is one of those incessant people who calls you a hundred times. So she's briefly alone. Wolf is like, love of my life, throw down your luxurious locks so he can climb up and help her out. Of course. They cut off her hair. The huntsman does show back up. They have to fight him off and knock him out. Virginia's given a pixie cut, which everyone acts like it's awful. But she looks really cute, though. Short hair on ladies is pretty. She looks really cute, though, but she's very upset about it. And this is when we get to the Fantastic Racism episode because they show up to Little Bo Peep's town. Okay. Who are Little Bo Peep's people fantasy racist against? Wolf. Oh, uh, no. For any reason at all? They literally eat... He, Wolf will not shut up about how much he wants to eat sheep. This is not a one-to-one. -one. Oh, God. <laughs> The shepherdess all show up and they're all like backlit by lights. And the lead shepherdess is Lucy Punch. Thank God. Thank God Lucy Punch is here. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. There's also a subplot in this town about the magic wishing well drying up. 
Of course. There's a shepherdess contest, and whoever is the lead shepherdess wins the magic mirror and also wins a trophy. So it's like sheepdog tests at like a Scottish festival? What? How do you prove you're the best shepherdess? Uh, the shepherdess has to kind of do a talent show where they normally sing a song. Then they have to look over the sheep. Then, uh, depending on that, there is a sheepdog competition. <laughs> There's also a guy in here who's very familiar. What is his name? There's an old man. He's very familiar. Don't worry about it. Okay. Someone enters the sheepherding contest, and this proves that wolves aren't- Virginia enters. and no, This isn't it. That's not it. Right now, a wolf is just getting horned on by the shepherdesses. Wait. Wait, wait, they're racist against the wolves, but they're horny for them? They don't know he's a wolf yet. Okay. I was about to say, that's not entirely inconsistent with how racism works. Well, right, but would that be the nuance with which this show portrays fantasy racism? Basically, wolf's time of the month is coming up uh, because the full moon is coming. Oh, his they call it that, don't they? Yeah, they do. <sighs> and so his tail is getting longer. The shepherdess talk about how he has this big bulge. Is that your thing? No. Wolf is, is horny. At one point, they complain about how all their chickens have been eaten. Clearly, a wolf came in and ate all the chickens. Uh-huh. But anyway, Virginia enters the competition. Tony overhears the Bo Peeps talking about how they shifted the flow of the wishing well water. So it now only goes under their farm. Okay. And they always dip their sheep in the wishing well. So the sheep's perfect for the competition. What? <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> Are the sheep like Achilles sheep? <laughs> <laughs> as far as I can tell, this just turns the sheep like pink. What? That makes them perfect. <laughs> so Virginia enters. There's a whole bunch of sheep walking around with like one bad hoof. <laughs> Tony, meanwhile, steals a sheep and then goes and dips it and delivers it to Virginia. Oh, uh, sure. For the singing competition, the non-Bo Peep shepherdess sings Baba Black Sheep. Really? Yeah, in a sexy way. No, in a sexy... No. And then Sally Peep, a.k.a. Lucy Punch? Lucy Punch, sings A Little Bo Peep Has Lost Her Sheep in a sexy way. Okay, okay, okay. There's got to be something other than a public domain nursery rhyme here. Virginia steps in and she sings, Buddy was a lamb, was a big lamb, singing gonna be a big ram someday. No. 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 What do they replace Rock You with? We will what? We will, we will shear you. No. no. Like, oh, God. She gets the whole village dancing to it. They just sat down and it's like, yeah, I can just, weird. It doesn't seem that hard what Al Yankovic does. Yeah. I can just do that. Exactly. The whole village sings it. No. They then judge the sheep, and Bo Peep's sheep and Virginia's sheep are both judged perfect tints. The other lady comes in third, so now they need to have a, a tiebreaker. Oh, and they have a talking dog that's a people. But right now he's still gold. Oh, God, right. Oh, they he's a golden retriever, I, I see. I get it. She's like, but I don't have a sheep dog. And then uh, Sally Bo Peep's like, well, then it sounds like I'm going to win, aren't I? Tony rushes off to grab Prince and go dip him in the wishing well and be like, please make him back to a dog again. Is that how that works? That did not occur to them before this point. No. Is that how that works? It just, it makes sheep pink and it undoes gold? Yeah, I guess. Why is their first instinct to just dunk things in the wishing well? <laughs> <laughs> and then, so it's like the 50 second mark, uh, Bo Peep did it in 80 seconds when Prince 
when Prince starts charging in, leaps in, and herds the sheep to the thing, and Virginia wins. She gets the magic mirror. As they carry this back... <laughs> I just, I do not think that a spoiled prince who is now a dog would actually be any good at, at herding sheep at all. Yeah, he, he did it. He did it, though. And as they're settling in for the night, because they're like, we'll go back to New York in the morning, Sally Peep is murdered. What? What? Yeah, Sally Peep is murdered. R.I.P. Lucy Punch. And everybody hears her shouting what they think is wolf. So they're pretty sure a wolf killed somebody. So Wolf is taken captive because he's a stranger and they're like, that means he's a wolf, right? And he also introduced himself as Walter Wolfson. <laughs> That'll do it. Walter Wolfson? <laughs> yeah. I was about to say there are also two other strangers in the area, but also if you introduce yourself as Walter Wolfson, <laughs> you're, you're probably a wolf. Yeah, um, in a fairy tale land, that's pretty much the only way that goes. He's like, Virginia, I'm going to die. The jury's against me. Turns out the jury's all sheep. <laughs> Okay, that's great, actually. <laughs> okay, that's good. Are they intelligent sheep? Or are they just like... They're just sheep. Okay, I, okay. I'll give them that one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so there's a trial, which is rigged against Wolf. Yeah, because uh, the jury sheep. Sheep, yeah. Virginia has to keep arguing to let her present evidence. She tries to indict various people as the one who did it instead, because she's like, Wolf didn't do it. Tony, meanwhile, goes with Prince to go and investigate and sniff around. Then uh, Virginia doesn't do a very good job as a lawyer. I can imagine not. <laughs> and eventually they open up the gates and they're like, okay, jury, if he's guilty, go to the guilty box. And if he's not guilty, go to the <gasps> not guilty box. Oh my God. Virginia's like, but the guilty box is filled with food. And everybody's like, yeah. <laughs> and the sheep all go to the guilty box. So it's filled oh. with food. And they're like, great, burn the wolf. This is so stupid. I love it, honestly. Wolf is tied to a stake and they're going to set it on fire when Tony and Wendell show up. They present the information that she wasn't shouting Wolf. She was shouting Wilf, who was her grandfather, because she'd gone and destroyed the magic wishing well after she'd lost. Why? Because she'd used it and her grandpa had promised her that that, that would make her win the competition. Just wish to win it. <laughs> just wish to win the competition. <laughs> they had to dunk their sheep. What do you think a wishing well is for? It's not just for dipping animals in. <laughs> it's not just for, for sheep and pinkening. <laughs> Tony saves the day. Wolf is released. Wolf is tied to the stake to be killed. And everybody leaves to go back and get their mirror and head home. However, when they get home, they find the mirror gone because the lady who owns the barn they were sleeping in is like, yeah, my son took it to go to town and take his hogs to town. Oh my god, so this is just a series of, like, wacky misadventures while they keep misplacing furniture. Yes. This is a very, again, I said it before, this is such an inefficient story. <laughs> so they start heading on. Wolf is like, thank you, my friends, for saving me. And uh, honestly, there's a great reply from Wendell where he's like, I'm actually disgusted that you're still with us. <laughs> <laughs> so do other people understand the dog or is it still just Tony? Just Tony. And Tony doesn't mention what he says. So the dog is just a catty little bitch. <laughs> that said, I think the wolf might speak dog. <laughs> they head to where the guy was going, which is Kissville. Kissville. Uh, it's the city of romance. This is not going to end well. Is this still episode three? This is still episode three. Oh my god. Wolf and Virginia almost kiss twice, but then they finally kiss the third time. Oy, oy. Tony, meanwhile, finds the mirror, which is when the huntsman shows up and bids on it and offers 2,000 gold for it. And they're like, it's an auction now? It's an auction now. That's the end of episode three. How horny is the kissing? It's extremely horny. Oof. 
Episode four, Tony goes gambling to get the money. No, there's a gambling misadventure. (laughs) Yes. Wendell helps him cheat. (laughs) This whole plot that you're describing to me feels a lot like when I'm having an anxiety dream about trying to reach a destination, but I keep being waylaid and sidetracked along the way and never actually get to where I'm trying to go. I have those a (laughs) lot, and this is exactly what that feels like. It's just like I like I said before. It's just a series of plot cul-de-sacs. <laughs> they had the mirror, and they have to do more plot to get the mirror back. They don't even build on anything. It, there's not even escalation. It's just simply starting over again. Wolf buys a ring so that he can propose to Virginia. What? He's upsold on a magic talking ring, which is the most annoying ring in the world. Why would you get your fiance a magic talking <laughs> ring? Wolf thinks it's romantic. Why? What's it going to (laughs) say? It sings about love and romance. And you want her to wear that (laughs) forever or until you're married? There's a moment where they get caricatures done while Virginia lays in Snow White's coffin. Hold on, Mackenzie. Yes. I love you. You say caricatures. I love the way you say things. (laughs) But they get what done? (laughs) Caricatures. Caricatures? Yeah. Caricatures, Mackenzie? <laughs> I think we gotta change the name of the group chat. Caricatures? <laughs> I love you, Mackenzie. <laughs> Done while she's lying in there. And that, like, prompts something where that night in the inn, the ghost of Snow White shows up. The ghost of Snow White shows up. The ghost of Snow White shows up as sort of a fairy godmother. So this is like kind of an Avatar Roku situation. She's gotten yeah. in touch with her past life. Yeah, and she's like a, an older, middle-aged uh, Snow White who's kind of chubby. It's actually really cool. Oh, yeah. I read about this. And like during the casting, there was actually an interview where the woman who played Snow White was like, I think it's great that she is supposed to be the prettiest person in the world. And she's fat. That's awesome. Yeah. And she reveals that Virginia is destined to save the Nine Kingdoms and like the reborn version of her. Do they make fat jokes? They don't. Really? No. In the year 2000? In the year 2000. Well, all right. They make all the other jokes, but not that one. She also shows the evil queen, who Tony, who's part of this dream too, don't don't ask, then True. recognizes as his long lost wife. Wait, Tony's in the dream too? Yes. Okay. Wolf's there too. Don't worry about it. And of course. Wolf's the one who recognizes her as Snow White. Is the dog there too? I don't think so. I the dog remember. doesn't get to come to no. grandma's dreamscape. No. No. <laughs> Oh, I keep saying these sentences. <laughs> <laughs> they get the mirror. The mirror is then broken. Of course it is. Of course. They leave it with some dwarves who are like, it's going to take some time, but we can fix it. No, of course. The, of course. Not only is the mirror broken, but of course they find somebody who can easily fix it as long as they fritter away enough time in another plot. <laughs> <laughs> they decide they're going to go stop the evil queen. Oh, man. And while they're going, it seems like wolves betrayed them this is now moving on to episode five the final episode okay they're thrown into the dungeons because tony and virginia are caught is this still snow white memorial prison or is this a different prison this is now the actual prince windle's kingdom the dog prince has been crowned king oh right i forgot (laughs) i forgot that was a thing right (laughs) right it's been so long (laughs) the dog prince is in the process of being a crowned king i should say right 
as they're in the dungeon, Tony and Virginia finally talk. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I just flashed back to the episode one where the dog was turned into a prince. And the first thing he said was, <laughs> where's my tail? And I thought that was funny. But I didn't know about the tail scene in episode two yet. So now I'm concerned. <laughs> This has been an emotional roller coaster for all of us. God, okay, okay, okay. So the dog who is a man, but was not originally, is going to be crowned king. Yeah. While they're in the dungeon, Tony and Virginia finally talk. Tony reveals why he'd never really gone searching for his wife. And it was because when Virginia was like seven, her mom had like started suffering more and more vague mental illness. Okay. It's never said, and she tried to drown Virginia when Tony what? found her and had stopped her, and she'd left. What? Yeah. She tried to. That's dr- a wild thing to just wow. drop into the middle of this wacky fairy tale parody, <laughs> East guy. Like, whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's a com- wow. That. Oh my god. That's from a completely different like story. Enti- that's that doesn't go in this show. <laughs> no. I I would even be fine. Like. It would somehow be less weird if it was just, like, generic fantasy, like, child neglect or something. That's different. They finally break out of prison, which is when the queen has imposter dog crowned king. That is so much therapy. And she's like, (laughs) okay, everybody, drink drink this wine uh, to thank the prince for being prince. And everybody drinks it, and they all pass out. Drink this normal wine. And all the monarchs pass out. Oh, they just pass out. They don't die. Well, she thinks they're dead. Is it? It's not even like fantasy poison? Then it's revealed that Wolf, who everybody had thought had betrayed Virginia and Tony for the queen, uh, had only done so so he could switch the poison for sleeping potion. Okay. So everyone wakes up. Virginia and the queen start going back and forth. There's like this weird kind of dreamscape where the evil queen's like, but I'm your mother. I love you. And she takes a comb to start brushing Virginia's hair. And Snow White guardian angel's like, don't. She's covered with poison. And Virginia turns around and takes this thing and is like, is this poison? And the evil queen's like, yes. And so she and the evil queen are struggling back and forth. And she actually touches the poison comb to her mom on accident, which causes her to start dying. How is she going to comb out her hair if it's like a pixie cut? Oh, no, man. That's a really, really, (laughs) like, I feel like that's going to be a much finer tooth comb than like a magic poison comb would be. Yeah, honestly, it's like a... It's like a 30 second process. Yeah. Real Prince Wendell finally sees Dog Prince Wendell and they dart forward into the dog thing again. So Dog becomes Dog again and, and Prince Wendell becomes Prince Wendell again. <laughs> they hug and switch places back. Yeah. They unanamorph. Then Wendell's like, I'm going to pardon the trolls. They were just trying to do what they were told by the evil queen. I'm not sure that's real. <laughs> oh, are the trolls still in this story? God damn it. Uh, the queen killed their dad episode three. I forgot to mention that. What? <laughs> On what grounds? He was being a sh** and like attacking everybody in the fourth kingdom. And she's like, f*** you. So what happened to the troll orphans? Where have they been? Uh, The queen was then like, yes, Virginia killed your dad. And so they were trying to kill Virginia. And that's been a whole thing. Okay. I mean, they were still doing crimes. Yeah. They were also gold for all of episode two and all of episode three. Oh, that's right. I forgot that they were gold. Wait, how did they stop being gold? How did they get ungolded? The queen unmagic to them ungold. She de-alchemized them? She de-alchemized them. As all that happens, he's then like, Tony, I'm thankful for all your help. You want to work in the palace and actually be my manservant? And Tony's like, you know what? Yes, I'm going to stay in this kingdom forever. He wants to do his same (laughs) job, but in a feudal system? Yes. 
and Virginia and Wolf head back to New York City, and Wolf's like, there's a little wolf in your belly now. No, what? Weirdly. <laughs> and Virginia's like, really? No. Okay, so for Tony staying behind in the weirdly, I think like in terms of just day-to-day quality of life, it might actually be more enjoyable <laughs> for him to live under feudalism in a palace <laughs> than to be living under capitalism in 2000 USA. <laughs> He is going to miss out on a lot of wild shit in the next couple of years. Yeah. Honestly, it's probably for the best he's in Fairytale. (laughs) Okay, 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 okay. So when did Virginia and Wolf Basically, it's... Was it the tail thing? No. It's implied that it was the night of Kissville. So they went straight from kissing to f***ing? Yeah. Okay. Also, it ends on the same line it opened on, but it also ends on one of those coming soon, another season. Whoops! (laughs) But things would not stay forever calm in the Ten Kingdoms, and me and Wolf would have to return to help. Fade to black. So they basically just do like a the end of the Super Mario Brothers movie where Daisy bursts in with a machine gun. Yes. She's like, you guys aren't going to believe what happened. Yeah. No. Whoopsie. Wow. The uh, Honestly, like, that's really, really bold to just sort of state your claim there on your on your five episode miniseries that hasn't aired yet. They were awful confident they were going to get to keep doing this. Yeah. <laughs> it looked like they were. And then the Twin Towers went down. <laughs> to be fair to them. That's, is, that's, that's the reason it's been in development hell is because they can't write their way around 9-11? Honestly, if you want to directly continue it with like not 20 years later, that would present a significant roadblock for tone. Yeah. Plus like that's going to make it so hard to re-air the 10th Kingdom on television for like 10 years after that until like 2011. It's going to be weird to re-air any content on television that's got the Twin Towers in it. Media was so weird about it for a long time. Yeah. Like, you would just simply not be able to re-air that ever. Also, all of their marketing had the Twin Towers on them. It was such an important part of the visual. (laughs) (laughs) The the part where they collapse into fairy tale forest would definitely be awkward. Oh, man. And oh, my God. And can you imagine, like, what are they going to do at that point? The Chrysler building? They're going to orient everything around the Chrysler building then? It doesn't work the same for this. Oh, they they backed themselves into such a corner and they didn't even yep. know it yet. How do you have a wacky fairy tale thing with people who live in Manhattan? Exactly. Oh, shit. Like, it's like writing Brooklyn Nine-Nine, the wacky funny cop show after 2020. <laughs> to be fair, they were writing that show a lot longer than they should have been. <laughs> yeah, but like 2020 in particular. Yeah. <laughs> oh, holy shit. <laughs> Holy shit. Because, like, they can't not address it, right? <laughs> they can't. That's the thing. They can't not address it. They can't not have a where were you on 9-11 moment <laughs> in that second season. It's not like we're talking about the Hallmark Channel on how they just kind of memory hold COVID and exist in a fantasy world where COVID didn't happen. So all the movies that kept coming out were just like, yeah, it's a normal Christmas. 
How was your 2021? Oh, it was great and super normal. Like COVID didn't happen in Hallmark Christmas movies. It just did not exist. I was wondering. No, it does not. Because like everybody who writes modern fiction now has to be like, okay, before COVID, post COVID, during COVID, no COVID AU, what am I doing here? And I mean, these are people who also like during the last Christmases batch of movies, at some point there was one where there was like a British nobleman and it took place in London or or something like a rich British guy and like a down home country girl went to London at some point. They're like, oh, we're running away from the cops and it's so wacky. Look, the queen. Like they definitely recorded a line that said, look, it's the queen and then had to hastily ADR dub it over to say king. <laughs> oh, that's so good. Yeah. And these are the people who are like, there was never any COVID. <laughs> That's the kind of problem that you have. This is Hallmark. How are they going to grapple anywhere in a decade after 9-11 with that existing? With anything? It's just not going to happen. <laughs> now we're like 20 years. We're oh longer than 20. Oh, my God. I'm so old. We are over two decades down the line from that. And at this point, like, you've burned any kind of press that you may have built up at this point, right? Like, <laughs> you've got nothing. You've got nothing. You have the people who liked it, who really like it, and you've got, like, a cult following, but that's not enough to, like, build a whole new big budget fantasy series. Oh, they fucked themselves and they didn't even know it. <laughs> it's 1979 and disco's <laughs> never gonna die <laughs> so she gives birth to a wolf that's implied yes in the future mm -hmm. they just end on her being pregnant right and can wolf smell the bait how does he know she's pregnant how did did he check he knows she's pregnant wolf leans over and touches <laughs> her belly and says i can feel a little wolf cub in there he can feel yeah. He can just put his hand on her belly and know she's Brigante. Yeah, he knows she's pregnant. <laughs> she's pregnant. 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 Frangente. With a little wolf. Frangente with a little wolf. She's with a little wolf. I'm, I'm just, uh, is, is, is he, is, is, is an adult vampire going to look at her belly and fall in love with the baby? <laughs> would have been in season two, uh, where we're oh, in, in uh, Queen Wear Riding Hood, but we, we don't get it. God, I'm sorry. I feel like I just caught a case of the giggles dipping the sheep into the magic well and it hasn't quite gone away. <laughs> Yeah, I think we just reached a threshold with this where we were just incapable of taking it seriously from that point forward. And we reached that threshold very early on. And this is a show where they try to be like, yeah, your mom got mega depressed and tried to kill you. And that's why. Yeah. Oh, they try to throw that into the plot out of all of this silliness and just damn. 10th Kingdom is wild. <laughs> And like, again, I really love that you hit this at like 12 or 13, because again, like, Wolf is such a character archetype that like, sounds really great when you're 12, because he's just so like, into the protagonist and like, devoted to her and wants her to like, love him. And like, you don't see quite at 12 or 13, how uncomfortable he is. <laughs> Like, is that about where you were? Yeah, basically. I was very much, I was like, 
Wolf is both kind of greasy car salesman vibe, which is my vibe. Right, you love a greasy car salesman. But then he's also extremely, extremely wife guy. If he was less seriously horny, he could be such a wife guy. Because he's like, Virginia is the most perfect, beautiful, creamy lady in the world. Oh, why did you remind me that he keeps saying creamy? You're welcome. I, I, I just, I just, I just, I can't get over it. He could be such a, like, a perfect love interest character. There's also a point where I should note where Lucy Punch at one point while trying to flirt with Wolf mm -hmm. is like, you could come back to my house and you would huff. No. And puff. No. And blow all my clothes off. No. No. <laughs> I'm surprised it, it didn't just go for the slightly more mild. You can come and count my sheep. <laughs> but no, huff and puff and blow my clothes off. Yeah. So they're racist against wolves, but they're really horny for them. And it is earnestly that kind of fantasy racism. Yeah. Huh. So I want to know, like, what was sort of your fandom experience after this? In what way were you obsessed with this? I was kind of obsessed with it in, like, I really liked the fairy tale aspect. I loved all the, like, little references to various fairy tales. It caused me to become, like, I bought, like, a bunch of fairy tale books and would, like, scour them for, like, all the references that were in there. Oh, nice. I was also, like, obsessed with Wolf. I thought he was the dreamiest guy in the world. <laughs> you kind of imprinted on that character for a while? Yes, I did. Yeah. My dad was, like, on the lookout for buying me other things, but they never, of course, made, like, figures or anything for it. But I watched it on, like, repeat, like, a hundred times, like, the first time we got the VHS tape. Oh, man. I didn't watch it all in order because that would involve sh switching out the VHS tapes. I watched, like, the first one, like, 20 times, and I watched, like, the second tape 20 times, and then the third tape 20 times, and I would do this over and over again. Oh, man. So just to, like, have it on background or, like, to actively pay attention to it every time? One or the other. Depends on my mood. I remember I also hosted a very gay slumber party, I have <gasps> to say, where me and my friends watched it, and then we proceeded to... Like, lay <gasps> on the bunk beds my dad had on the enclosed porch. Uh-huh. And practice ear nibbling. You what? A totally heterosexual thing to do. What? Oh my god! Oh my god, Mackenzie! Okay, ear nibbling? <laughs> is ear nibbling, like, a part- Is that- Is that in there? Does Wolf no. nibble Victoria's ears? What is the ear nibbling? No, there's this point where- So, after we watched it, we were laying in there, and my friend, uh- Sorry- you're being pulled into this now. Was like you can give her a fake name. Okay, uh, my friend will call her Sally after Sally Peep. Okay, was like <laughs> you know we were talking about like the tail scene. I'm pretty sure. Uh huh. And she was like, you know what? I have never gotten. And we were like me and uh, me and my other friend Bo Peep were like. What? And she goes, ear nibbling. And I'm like, I think I think it makes sense because my ears are really sensitive. And we're like, well, let's practice on each other and see if it really does feel good. Oh, Mackenzie, that's <laughs> so baby gay. <laughs> oh, that makes me very happy. Holy shit. Okay, so like coming back yes. to it, like for this, did any of your sort of perceptions change on 10th <laughs> Kingdom? Well, I am old enough now to cringe at like a lot of it. <laughs> And also be like, oh, no, you shouldn't say that, like, when it comes to the Romani camp. <laughs> yeah. And then cringing constantly at all, like, the sexual overtones and being like, no, this was not appropriate for me to watch as a 11, 12-year-old, however old I was. <laughs> what is being 12 years old for if not for watching exactly. inappropriately it's horny true. stuff? 100%, <laughs> Exactly. So I did cringe a lot more, but I still felt like just glee at watching it. Spectacular. But I stand by what I said for the factoid here. 
this show was not made to make fun of fairy tales. They embraced it and parodied it. Yeah, it definitely seems like it involves a lot of like, kind of lampooning it, like saying like, okay, so this is how a fairy tale works. All right, how do we work within the bounds of that? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I would like to propose a not a counterfact, but an adjustment to the fact, which is you don't necessarily need to love something to parry it, but you do need to have an intimacy with it. Like, I don't think Cervantes was sitting there writing Don Quixote thinking, man, chivalric romance whips ass. I love it so much. I don't think he was doing that. Or also, like, you need to at least respect it. Because there are so Mm, many parodies mm -hmm. out there which don't respect what they're parodying, and those always end up bad and just kind of mean-spirited. Which is interesting because so much of parody is meant to, like, lampoon something or point out the problems in it, but it does require you to understand it to begin with, to really effectively take it apart. Yeah. Yeah, you need to engage with it on its own terms. Yeah. Otherwise, you just sound like, I don't know, an adult man making fun of something a 10-year-old girl likes. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. which, don't you have better things to do with your time than you're doing that? If I don't like something for 10-year-old girls, I resolve that issue by not watching the thing that's for 10-year-old girls. Because 10-year-old girls are allowed to be enthusiastic about things. Yep. I think Paw Patrol is copaganda, but I resolve that by not watching Paw Patrol. (laughs) But with that, I think it's time for our final facts. So Annie, what's your final fact? You don't have to make everything (laughs) that's non-human an erogenous zone. (laughs) It doesn't have to work like that. Trust me, as a monster f***er, you can just approach these things on their own terms. It doesn't need to instantly make somebody get a huge boner or various equivalents thereof. Annie channeling some frustrations from the Mass Effect era. (laughs) (laughs) So much fan fiction. So <laughs> much horny fan fiction. Just, you don't have to do it. <laughs> I don't need... Honestly, a lot of it is just me channeling frustrations of watching somebody trace their fingers along a Ferengi's big ears and having to watch that. <laughs> yeah, Armin Shimmerman is a really a very good actor, and you can tell because he was asked to orgasm on camera from someone touching his rubber ears. <laughs> Repeatedly, and he did. Deeply uncomfortable. Just, you don't have to make the non-human parts erogenous. It's okay. (sighs) Kit, what's your final fact? If you put in a grocery order for 7 p.m. to 8 p.m., figuring that, oh, yeah, it's probably fine. You'll probably be done recording by the time the groceries show up. That's the devil talking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, no. We needed two hours to talk about to talk about the 10th kingdom that was your fault (laughs) that's that's on me i made that mistake yeah (laughs) mac what's your final fact so two things first your 11 year old daughter probably son too all your 11 year olds are going to like really dumb shit i just be like my dad (laughs) and embrace that just give them what they want to what they want to fall in love with your dad always seems like he was really great about that, about just like he was saying yes and to whatever thing you were obsessed with as a child. Yes, basically. I appreciate that. Love you, dad. Tayababa. I'm going to also quote Snow White here in her talk with Virginia. Okay. Obedience is not a virtue. I wanted to please everyone but myself, and I had to lose everything to learn that lesson. For my pride, I had to lie in a glass coffin for 20 years to learn my lesson. By the time I was released, I understood... My husband was a good man, but he did not rescue me. I had to rescue myself. All right. And I think that's great. Rescue yourself. Realize your flaws. You got to work with them yourself. I like that. Okay. So I think that is going to wrap us up here for the 10th kingdom. 
Next time, this episode will be coming out on, like, October 1st, uh, which means that it's officially spoopy season. Spoopy! <laughs> One of these days, the fact that we record every five weeks means that we will have no October episode. I will be very sad the year that happens. I feel like that happened at one point, but we just decided to plow ahead and do spoopies anyway. That's <laughs> true. Because that's how we roll. Yes. So in order to do that, it'll be my pick next time, and I am going to be proving the fact that... Your haunted dolls have to actually look like dolls. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Annabelle. Not to be confused with the opening sequence from The Conjuring or Annabelle 2 or Annabelle Comes Home. No, we're talking about the movie specifically about Annabelle, the haunted doll and the white lady who won't get rid of her. <laughs> God, I kind of want to revisit this topic at some point and talk about Brahms the Boy too. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Haunted Doll movie, though. Prep yourselves. Isn't like the Boy series just basically the first movie being like, yeah, there's no Haunted Doll, it was just a guy, and then the second movie being like, actually, it's a Haunted Doll? <laughs> yes! That's exactly what happens! <laughs> but why, though? <laughs> The Boy is a moderately effective horror movie where the real horror is that there's a creepy man living in your walls watching you all the time. That's good. That's good shit. And then the second one was like, actually, f it, it's a haunted doll. <laughs> uh, should we get Lucas to sample the haunted doll watch? We might have to. <laughs> the next one. We might, we might have, to. have to. Anyway. Well, thank you for joining me. Mac, thank journey. you for thank you for taking us on this journey. <laughs> thank you for taking us on this adventure. <laughs> I'm sorry, Annie. I, I can't say I, I can't say I strictly speaking enjoyed it, but it sure was an adventure. <laughs> Honestly, I don't want to watch any more of it now because I love the way that you have told this to me. This is like before I actually saw The Raven and I just had your version of the movie. <laughs> With murder, why dost thou murder me? <laughs> why dost thou murder me? There are a lot of movies that I would just prefer for the Mackenzie version of it to live yeah. in my brain forever. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm writing gothic fiction now. Do you know how hard it is for me to not have someone say murder? Why dost thou murder me? Probably about as hard it is. It's a lot of effort. Probably about as hard as it is to not just put a fat boy in the woods going, Papa! Papa! Papa, I smell so delicious! Papa! Every time I need, like, an innocent wayside victim, it's just I gotta make sure it's not a little fat kid in a sailor suit going, ah! <laughs> oh, f oh. I like our extended cinematic universe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the I Will Fight You ext extended universe is very silly <laughs> Oh, sh Okay, 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 okay. We gotta, we gotta bring this one home. <laughs> now I'm in a papa in space. <laughs> I Will Fight You comes out every five weeks. You can download it wherever you find podcasts. It is edited wonderfully by Lucas Brown of The Math of You. If you would like to support us with a like or rating or review, whatever, if you want to like be nice to us. <laughs> Just just, just talk to us sometimes and tell us you like it and tell your friends about our very stupid gay podcast and our extended universe. <laughs> <laughs>
If you want to support us with dollars, you can do that at patreon.com slash the gem jam. For a dollar a month, you can access to early episodes of I Will Fight You. And at our behind the scenes tier, we've got show notes for I Will Fight You episodes. And there's also content on there for our other shows, Date Me Damn It and Gem Jammer. If you want to find us on social media, we're currently still on the hell site, but you can probably find us just at Crooked Russian Cam, because, you know, people don't really tend to squat on that name, so any social media <laughs> site that's going to exist is, will probably be there. Or at CRC Podcasts, which is our Twitter handle. For as long as Twitter continues to right. exist. Our website, though, will persist, because we love that URL, and it is Christian... Ru- Christian... <laughs> it is crookedrussiancam.horse or .gay. And that's where you can find out links to our shows, links to our Patreon, links to our Discord, what have you. Just go look there. Just go look there for episodes and things. I'm sure it's fine. Anything else we want to plug? Go by The Devil Who Loves Me. Then It's an anthology that I'm in. I talked about it last episode. There you go. I don't have anything to plug. Unless you want Mackenzie to write bad smut for you. Oh, write bad smut for me. <laughs> right. Wait, what? I'll write bad smut for you. I mean, <laughs> it's on my code. You can also write bad smut for Mackenzie, but there's going to be no monetary transaction. Yeah, there'll be no there. monetary transaction. I'll probably read it aloud, though. <laughs> right. You can commission Mackenzie on Kofi to write bad smut for you. And it's pretty great, actually. I'm just hanging. I'm just vibing. That's going to do it, though. Join us next time to talk about Annabelle. <laughs> Here on I Will Fight You. And until then, I'm Annie. I'm Kit. And I'm Matt. And we have fought you.